0: How you doing? It's Joey and space between. I'm here with Wes gear from rock to recovery. How you doing, buddy? Great. Thank you for coming down, man. Thanks so, for having me, dude. Yeah. 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 I'm so excited that you came, uh, you came in to uh, see us. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk to you. Uh, the reason why I want to wrap with you is that when I saw what you guys were doing with rock to recovery, I went through a, um, interesting experience. Uh, I had my bouts with, with, uh, addiction, like majorly. Do um, your
1: viewers know that?
0: I think I've spoke about, I mean, you know, you know what I, I, I have, so. you, oh, you know, what we talked about selling kilos. So yeah, I was selling kilos of <laughs> yeah. cocaine and yeah. I was doing it all. So they, yeah, yeah, they know. Um, yeah. I, but I, I was, you know, doing all these things and doing it and nobody really knew. I mean, I was much younger, but I took this street world into business world, but I, you know, but it's like Jay-Z. It was You're very similar. Jay-Z. I was like, you know, my dad was a pimp and a heroin addict. I lived
1: with, he was a pimp and a heroin addict. Pimp and a heroin addict, wow. Very creative. But uh You know, I when I got to heroin, I was excited to finally get to that shit show aspect of my life. I've gone through so many drugs and I got to heroin, I was like, okay, well now I'm here, at least I should be able to create some great shit musically. The recordings and the ideas went to shit. I would just like wah, 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 sound like Jimi Hendrix on Badass. It was a horrible experience for me. Just so you know. Just <laughs> anybody out there wanted to know. I did not find heroin to be super creative.
0: I, you know the funny thing is I always said because watching my dad, I was like, I'll never break skin, never gonna happen. And I found a way to do something else to get me there, which was Yeah, my- I
1: snorted it and smoked it, but I I came you- really close. Mm. A super dope sick and I and this guy said he didn't my friend didn't have any more, And then he shot up and uh, I said I thought you didn't have any more. He goes well I wasn't gonna let you waste it smoking and snorting it But if you want some I'll rig you up and that was at the lowest of low and that's when I, I heard a voice Say if you do this, this is the end mm. and I feel like that was my higher self or God because if I if I had started shooting
0: I was would... 14 and the guy was about to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually the girl It was one of the girls that worked for my dad and there was actually one of the tricks that she was with, that actually him who stopped it. I was 14 years old. He was about to do it. And I was about yeah. to let it happen. And she was doing it. And he goes, what are you doing? And stopped it. Stopped it right there. 14. I was 14 years old. And I, uh, but I'd seen, you know, it was, I knew I didn't want to do it and, and at all. There wasn't my thinks watching my dad, like, you know, turn blue or, or you know, OD in front of me. But I was like, I, I couldn't drag him to a bathtub. You know, he's too big for me. So I was able, I watched this shit happen and I'd be like, well, you know, what do I do? Why'd you give him that? So I, I didn't, so in my head, I didn't want it to happen to me. Mm. But as I got older, it just felt like it was so normalized that I just was like, I'll do it too.
1: Plus addiction takes its course. I'll never do this, then you do that. I'll never do that, but then you do when that. It brings you closer. that, and yeah. then the next thing you know, you cross every line you said you were never gonna cross. And that could be anything. That could be gambling. You know what, I'll never bet Sex. more than 100 bucks. You know what? I'll never get a prostitute. You know what? I'll never. And, and we cross lines. Addiction and behavioral disorders, you continue to cross lines that you said you'd never do. It's all the same.
0: It's very, yeah. I, Business.
1: I'll never embezzle. Well, right. you know what? I won't embezzle this much. Well, you know what? Next thing you know, you you find, yeah. you And then you. it's funny. I did. I That was the whole thing. I would find
0: ways to make myself feel okay for the things I did. Mm-hmm. And usually with the booze and alcohol, it kind of numbed the things out. So I was like, I'm cool with that but ultimately i actually feel that i do feel like i was having spiritual experiences and that i didn't i was numbing them because ultimately if when, when you take all those things out and you're left by with yourself god you'll figure a lot of shit out
1: feelings people don't want to feel right. that are doing addiction stuff or people even that have sex addicts or gambling addictions and actually now i think what you'll start seeing is that as little as this sounds People get dopamine hits from arguing on Instagram about Trump or whatever or Biden. There's a dopamine hit that happens there, too. People do what they do because they get something out of it, even if they don't really like it. Like, I hate these idiots online. But you're going back. I'm guilty. And you're commenting again. So what are you getting out of it? So you're getting something out of it. There's a dopamine hit. There's a rush we get. And what that means is we're not really, even though we're feeling anger or rage or whatever, we think we're spreading the truth of what the American needs. Really, we're running from our own feelings and our own realities. It's like a codependency when you got to go save the world and save everybody else so you don't have to look at yourself. But i got to take care of my mom. i got to take care of this. Yeah, yeah. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first and you'll be of the greatest use to everybody else.
0: Yeah, it's funny when you say that too. I looked at what you just said is the oxygen mask is love because as soon as I started to love myself was, which is really that oxygen mask. Cause I was trying to act like I was loving or buying other things. And I always blamed my mom and my dad for how I grew up. And then finally, when I started to love myself, I was like, I started, I called my mom. I remember straight up. I was like, mom, I love you so much. And then she was like, are you high? No, 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 maybe a little but but, but listen, you know? But it, that whole thing was, I was able to like start to love myself and then all these things just started to change. Like my whole life started to change. I started treating people differently. Although this is some weird shit. For real. Like I didn't, you know, and then I started, it just, it, it consumed me. It overwhelmed my body because I was like, this is what it was. But as a man and being on the street, you can't conduct yourself with love. You're trying to survive. You know, me hugging a bunch of people wasn't going to do me much good.
1: Right. That's the battle of the small self. The small self is trying to keep us safe, and the small self goes from the animalistic origins, right? What's a threat, what's safe, you know, and we have to survive. Well, I like what you brought up is love. Love is the answer to me, and I think we're probably going to hit on this, but love is the true essence of who we are.
0: Mm.
1: So there's a saying, and to me, when they say, what is God? I would say God is love period and simple so and we are aspects of the divine and that have taken physical form yeah. and uh, so there's a saying where and I'll horribly paraphrase this which is like the 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 student says to the guru why are some thoughts sorrowful and the guru says all thoughts are sorrowful because they they separate you from who and what you truly are So if you think about it, when we're like, I got to do work, I'm stressed about this, or just living normal life, we're not in that true essence and energy of love. Mm -mm. Because it takes us out of there. Wait, I got to get this done, or I need this, I got to make money, I'm feeling too fat, I'm hungry. We're not just being, and that's why meditation is so powerful, because we can practice letting go of all the thoughts which are irrelevant, they have literally no value, but they control our whole vibration and reaction to life, and when we do meditation, we can connect to source, which is the, pu- the purest element and aspect of who we are, which is just love, which is the energy that permeates the entire universe. Mm-hmm. We're literally swimming in an energetic pool of love, mm-hmm. which is God. And there's no, and the funny thing, and I'm doing this book, and one of the, I'm using a lot of like music uh, titles for chapters, is one of them is called Your Lying Eyes, which is also a song. But here's the thing humans live, Viewing the world through our eyeballs, which see a fraction of the frequency spectrum. Mm. Therefore, most humans go away and go through their life in complete denial of the rest of existence, thinking it's only this little sliver. And so in this sliver, what I see is you over there and me over here and space. If I walk out into the neighborhood and nobody's around, I'm alone but that's actually a complete lie mm. because really we're all connected energetically. And if you jump ahead to like people who are mystics or, or how about like you think of somebody and they ring you on the phone right. because time is is something man made up and distance in the energetic field is irrelevant. If you've ever seen like, and I'm sure you have people who can do readings on people. I know a lot of healers that are friggin' legit or they can do step ins to their personality. doesn't matter if they're in Timbuktu. They can go right in and it doesn't take a while for a dial up to go. G-g-g-g-g-g-g. It's no, instantaneous. It's omni. So in that sense, no. there's no space or distance between any of us. We're all eternally connected in an endless pool of what I would call love.
0: Yeah. The omnipresent, I'd call it. You're able to tap in, someone across there's no time. That's why I, I was doing these things trying to understand time and seeing these, these, these different visions just happened. Like I I, I didn't get what was happening as it was happening. Um, so i was trying to articulate to people around me because i had you know what they were saying was a breakdown i was actually trying to break through a realm um and started remembering maybe who i was um, and that's yeah. really what it felt like is a remembrance so i'd see these things like go, oh god this feels so familiar to me and i started acting you know it, what i started doing is it's like you know like have you ever done a past life regression they're really cool. So I did one. And what they do is like, it's like a hypnotist type person or a hypnosis person, sorry. Mm-hmm. They put you under and like people stop smoking cigarettes and different things, but it's kind I of quit. a... Okay, so that's a guided meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Very, you know, very... Kind of, they, they take you
1: under, they talk you well, they through... They get in the data right. meditation always doesn't do that. Okay. Doesn't always do that.
0: Right. So, but that's the, 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 the general idea mm-hmm. is to get to that place, right? Well, for me, it, I w- it's like... I was walking down the street and I'd spend time spontaneously open up to one of these realms. That, like, and I, I wouldn't, I would be like, What is this? So, the longer that I would act into this realm, I could stay in it mm. and then it would, and it would dissipate or people start looking. So, the, that's why I would feel that people, that, like when I went to the mental institution, I was like, This is why, like Kanye West, this dude's tripping, think he's the Messiah. No, I had the same shit, thinking I was Jesus. I woke up, like I said, wearing white. Walking around and my kid, I mean, I scared the hell out of my kids. They were joking around. They called me the chosen one. I remember I kicked my old son's car. I was so upset with them. I'm like, dude, what? They, they didn't know how to deal with me because I seemed like I was getting unhinged, but I was stepping, I feel like into, you know, whatever people call this Christ consciousness, but I didn't know because I didn't like start going and go to church and pray. I'm like the, like the guy at the end of the street that like, I just was some normal guy. I like to, I skate, I surf. I'd never, you know what I mean? I I'd never practiced meditation. It just by mistake I just started going to it. I actually went to try TM meditation for my younger son Chaz because he had a bad temper. So I took him to this guy in Hollywood, and I go, "Come on, dude, you got to go. You get mad. You got you really need it." Like I had the temper. Where do you get mm-hmm. it from? Genetics, you know? Behavior. Yeah. Watching things I'm doing, but I'm blaming him. And so we go there, and he. We're there, and it just started a whole thing. Because so I left that place, I started meditating in my shower. I'd wake up at three in the morning, and they were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I don't know, but something's happening, and it just led. It just opened up this, this other realm or world or that, that I never knew that existed, that's here for every. It's always here.
1: It's here for everyone.
0: Yeah, but it just. It's not. We're not. It, we're not in a, a society that really caters to the human spirit. You know, to.
1: I believe that there's a global. Uh, evolution that's happened forever I think that's happening now that continues to happen that always happens I think that people get so stuck in like a a small sliver of time that they're like, Well, look how it is here. We just had, you know, George Floyd and da 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 but it's like, well wait, let's zoom out on humanity as a whole. Mm. And so it's it's just like a it's just like a garden. Every plant isn't gonna grow at the same pace. And so there's gonna be pockets that are really evolving, not to say one's better and another one's maybe parts of the world that are struggling. But they're all having evolved but if you look at humanity on the whole we're we're evolving, and if you and what I've experienced now is how many podcasts we're talking about spirituality, where are beyond theology, mm. and people are really reaching out for things like breath work, meditation, and we're talking about transformations all day long. And if you look in the '70s, even because I got really into the generational changes in the '70s. It was men cheated on their wives. It was acceptable. You just didn't talk about it. Women were supposed to stay at home, right? Mm. Nobody knew anything about how the family structure impacted children, or at least it wasn't talked about much. And now, if you go to a high school, the kids will be like, "Well, yeah, I've got this issue because my father's." I mean, they know it now. So the consciousness is raising. Yeah. On, on on the whole, and I and that's that to me is what I think is a beautiful thing. Oh, it's
0: yeah, it's that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. If it happened to me, it could happen to anybody. So that was, I, I looked at myself as somebody surfed, you know what I mean? And yeah. motor cross road. But I was like, there's so many kids that go to these schools. Like you have detention. They should be teaching meditation.
1: Some schools have done that. Yeah, but, and it, brilliant. Yeah,
0: and, and yeah. what has it done? It, it I, They cut down the, the violence by 50%. They were doing trials in Los Angeles. It's yeah. like the same thing with correctional facilities. They're not looking to rehabilitate in a correctional facility. Like if you had meditation... Or yoga that you were to have that people to, to understand why they and how they got there that it would you that's really rehabilitation we're not a society from
1: the mind and yeah. connect to, to source to the heart to the heart yeah to the heart there's a whole I've been reading this part of Joe Dispenza's book uh, becoming super natural yeah, talks yeah. about basically the mind of the heart that there's a whole thinking structure there that's it so Travis a friend of
0: mine when this happened to me He owned a place called Ceremony Meditation in Venice. So I ended up going to him because everybody else said I was... I'd I'd been to too many mental institutions, um, four or five psychiatrists. I wouldn't take anything. So I ended up going there. I I didn't even know what a conscious community was. I was like, what? So when I went there, he asked me, he's like, "What, what is it you're seeing? And I go, I know if you look into the eyes, you can see the soul. So he's like, what do you mean? I go, I don't know, but I... I go let's do some eye gazing so i'd never done that i'm a dude right and i was like this is strange but he's like okay so me and this guy I just met him we eye gazed for three hours yeah. and we were he was like wow i go it's powerful beyond and that's like a dude thing you do but ultimately like when i broke that's down what? what's that that's like a dude thing no it's dude. not a dude thing i never see myself right. going hey let's go eye gaze like if someone walk in they'd be like what are you guys doing yeah. you know so it's just that kind of being really comfortable with who you are inside and go, you don't care about what other people think because ultimately it did connect me to him and we found this relationship that like, he started to remember. So when we came back to each other, I was like, I'm gonna show you how I tapped in and we could help each other. We've done this before. We've been together mm-hmm. before. I've, I've, I've been, like you wouldn't be here having this conversation with me if we didn't do this thousands of years ago. Hmm. That's that's generally I'm how open I feel. i all
1: that. Many, you know, that cracks open a whole a whole thing.
0: And so when we do that and understand these lives cuz karmically we are clearing things and and understanding. So when I was able to kind of tune into these things, I was like,
1: "Oh." And I, I just didn't know how to karmically express it. Karmically we're clearing things. So Oh, come, absolutely. So, wait, wait. So we come here with a list of transgressions we got to make right. So we've already screwed up. Where does it start?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say transgressions you you don't. It, it, but this isn't the first place it starts so absolutely sure. there's other lives a hundred percent that you're dealing with other karmic things that you've dealt with other lives that you have to clear
1: but where have, does it start in your first life you come here clean and then you create a bunch of karmic, karmic stuff and you gotta come back and clean it up
0: i i i wouldn't say i'm the karmic god and i could tell you the exact cycle yeah. of how that works but i could give okay. you my experience of what happened to me okay. and that's the best thing i could do because people I feel that start to try to teach and say other things and act like a guru. Like everybody's their own guru. So the best thing I can do, like I told you for Travis, explain my experience and have you tap in. your way, because everybody has a different way of understanding their instrument.
1: You know, when and how to use it. Everybody starts at different points. Yeah. And the, and the thing I had to learn is that we have to accept people where they are. Because, mm. for example, a great, great, a great example of this is addiction because sometimes when I'm sober now, 12 years, hundred percent sober, don't touch anything. And sometimes when you see people who are super addicted, it's easy to go, man, what a lost cause. How come they're not acting this way or that way? They should get it right. It's like, wait, I was like that. So I don't know. They might have that breakthrough. Mm. Who am I to judge where they should be at right now? Because when we get in a spiritual path and I look back, I needed everything to happen how it happened to make my life what it is today. Even the stuff I didn't like was crucial because I can see super important, valuable lessons that came at that time to give me the opportunity to be who I am today. So, but that's really hard for humans to do is go, especially now, I'm gonna, instead of talking addiction or any type of recovery or personal evolution, is it's hard for us to accept people for where they're at. So, a lot of times people go out and go, Yeah, I'm like this, I'm that. Why aren't you like, don't you see? I'm gonna show you. You see, here's the way, this is the way. You should see. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Let them be them on their journey because I don't know when they're supposed to get what they're supposed right. to get. That's between them and God. And so for me to act like I got it down and I know where you're at is like, nope, because maybe they're supposed to get it tomorrow. Maybe they're supposed to get it in 20 years. That's, that's their own personal journey. And, and we shouldn't take that from anybody. Mm. And so I think the thing that mistake that most people make is we try to, we get so excited And then we get into like what Alan Watts talked about, my God's better than your God or you should see it my way. And it's more like, yo, I have this experience I'll share it with you. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. But we talk about it by attraction rather than promotion. Mm -hmm. And so what I had happened is I would dip into bars when I smoked and I was nearly sober just to like see some girls and whatever. And then guys would go, Dude. What's up with you? I haven't seen you smile. You look like the little boy energy. They'd be kind of tipsy. You're, you remind me of when we were 15. Why are you so happy? I'm like, I'm sober now. And I didn't go, I'm sober. You should not be drinking. What are you do I didn't do that too. And I said, I'm sober. You don't do anything now. If you ever want, I'll show you how. And then a month later, bring. Hey, it's Ray. Dude, you're sober now. I want to know what would you do. Well, I'll show you. That's really, I think, our most effective way is go out there and be light in the world. Mm. And when people want light, they'll come to us and ask for it.
0: It's, yeah, the whole thing of being of service is probably one of the most amazing things I think a human being can do. But you never, ever think about it because it's like I tell people, like when they said it to me, be of service, I actually thought in my head, I'm like, who could I pay to do it for me? Or go get a chair, you know what I'm saying? Who can I get to do it? I, I got to go. Who can I
1: pay to be a service? Officer?
0: Yeah. Right. I I'm just, I'm just being straight up. No, I, did. I, did. I just, the way I had, it. I had things to do because I was much busier than them. Right? right. It's important for me to go, but not them. That's just how I thought. And then being, you know, it's funny. So my best friend was one of the first people who started communicating with me. So I was in the mental institution. Right. When I got at 12 o'clock, I took a knee. And I'm like, oh, dude, what do I do? I'm there, it's Thanksgiving, my family's, I'm in Memphis, what do I do? And the only thing I heard, the only thing I heard was be of service. And I'm like,
1: what? Yeah. What the hell?
0: And then they called my name and the guy was saying, Natalo, come out. And the guy grabbed me and I was tripping because I was like, I was in Memphis, but it was just, you know, they had these big security and then that led to another engagement with, with the security, which got me a 50, 250 which is a little higher level up <laughs> level up i level up,
1: call me level up
0: but it was interesting because the first thing i did well after that i happened i was like okay now i started cleaning piss and shit straight up like i started going and doing it not i don't know why i just whatever that came in i just did it and the the, the funniest thing about it was is that all of a sudden i forgot what i was there for because i was helping other people and it wasn't such a bothersome situation and then i was talking to these other people and cruising and all of a sudden i'm like wait you ain't so crazy you, you know and then i started to really you know have this thing i'm like i got to help these people when i get out of here i gotta help i gotta help feeding these the homeless people i gotta help people that are um addicted to i, I just all these revelations happen in there and i was like i could be so much better served by helping these people than mm-hmm. like, thanks than hurting them you know
1: that's a that's a, that story replays itself many times throughout theologies and spiritual stuff right where where we stop start getting out of self and just go it's humility right humility is the key for all connection and spiritual uh revolutions that happen for ourselves Mm. right is 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 just being a man among men and that's like what they talk about when they talk about jesus he hung with lepers and prostitutes right he didn't keep himself up here that's how the story goes yeah there's a lot of great examples of that I had to be beaten into a pulp by my own addiction to get to that point. I didn't, and that, anything I did, just for anybody who's listening, anything I did isn't like, I'm great, and I just went to be spiritual because I'm so spiritual, I wanted to be spiritual. It wasn't that. Yeah. I was tortured by my own mind, my own addiction, and I got so beat up, near death, 120 pounds at six foot whatever I am, teeth cracking out of my head, lost every everything, nobody wanted to talk to me, out of my band beat to a pulp. And even then I thought, maybe I'll just go to Thailand and ride elephants. But finally I stopped. <laughs> that's what I thought. I'll take my life I'll ride an elephant. That's literally what I thought. And then I heard this voice that was like, you're out of control. And for me, that was my moment of clarity, which to somebody out there, like you're out of control. What What's the depth of that? No, it meant like I'm out of control in my own life. I'm out of control. I'm completely unmanageable. I can't control my addiction. I can't control outcomes in anything. I need, Help and that was me giving up control and saying, Okay, I'll accept help. And in accepting help, that's when I opened myself up to take guidance from other people who had success. Right. And I went after, Okay. And the funny thing is, if somebody wants to be a millionaire and I'm like, I have a hundred million dollars, and you, you let's say your kid broke out of college, and I say, Here's what to do, kid, you want to make millions? You're like, Oh, right, show me what to do. I want to make millions like you. That's replicated over and over and over. But the funny thing is, when it comes to like addiction or behavioral disorders, like I used to have the problems you had. You wanna, no man, I got this, I'm on my own, I'm cool. Isn't it funny? And a lot of these more deadly disorders, we won't accept help, but in the world of business or other, we'll look for our mentors. And so I was lucky enough that I got beat up so much that I was open to be mentored and shown the way. And with
0: music, Do you feel you know what I'm saying it's funny because you always have these double-edged swords because music is what brought you here, but also mm-hmm. will get you into the the mix.
1: yeah, you know. So there came a point in my recovery when I got sober and because I was sober, I was out of music for like six years. I lost my band. and then and then give me and- the dates on that
0: when you were that was after head.
1: So head we got we started in 94 probably got signed in 97 I left in about 2003 I was trying to control my addiction it was I we got signed as I, I was running that band I was That was like, Jive Records you signed to? Jive too? Uh, the singer and I were like kind of the masterminds of that band and I got that record deal the one I was chasing my whole life on piles of methamphetamine so I thought I had magic powers basically <laughs> But anyhow, I tried to control my addiction. Crash and burn in 2003. I was out of music. My brother, who's very successful, was like, dude, you went farther than most people. Just be happy you had that. Now come live this normal life. And I'm like, you're right. Music doesn't go with recovery, and I clearly need to be sober. But I would go to a show and watch people play, and I would feel like I was getting punched in the gut. And it wasn't ego, like, I gotta get up there and get the chicks. It was like, I could feel intuitively in my gut like I needed to play. Like, that's who I am. And so I had a real conflict with it. I couldn't even watch a show so then I got really into meditation because now I'm sober I have a job working with my brother, which was great, but I hated it and I knew I didn't belong there So what do I do? I'm trapped. I can't quit my job. I have no skills no education So I got really into prayer and meditation if there's something out there Help me find the way guide me and I started taking chances. What else was I gonna do? Do you have a
0: religious upbringing?
1: I was brought up Christian, but I'm not yeah. into any. I don't like to affiliate with any one religion. I think everybody has a little right, and I think everybody has it a little wrong. How you tr- explain the unexplainable? Right. So, the point is, I got really into meditation, and I said, I think I do want to play music again. And I started doing this ah meditation for manifestation. I got from Wayne Dyer ah, and yeah. I would visualize, and I started asking, I want to be back in music. And I said, but I'm not going to go be in a crappy punk band and get in the van. I want it to be a good band. And or else what why do it? I've already toured at a certain level. Within ten days of that, keep in mind I thought I could never do music again sober, Corn hit me up, Monkey, wanting me to come play with them because biggest I'm, rock
0: band in the world at the time.
1: Huge. <laughs> and he wanted me to come play with them because I was sober. So the whole paradigm shift. Like right. I got in the gig because so Were they I, all sober at the time? They all have their own recovery, if yeah. you will, of like getting past that crazy stage. But the point is, I thought meth was my elixir to give me the creativity, and now I'm sober. Music now has to move for my life, and the and which is ridiculous if you think about. God gave us music and or whatever universe. And if I'm supposed to be a musician, I have musical talent. Why, when I get sober and stop the thing that's killing me and ruining my life, would I give up the thing I love most? But that's the problem is we get really delusional and this sound logical thinking we have really leads us down some wrong paths. So when I open myself up to like being guided and say, I want to get back in the music, the corn gig came and oh, by the way, you're getting this because you're sober. So the timeline we were heading down was when the corn gig went away, And I cried like a baby when I got that because that was being reborn again, not in a Christian sense of like years of struggle, almost dying from addiction, losing my baby, which was head my Mm, first band and then finding sobriety and then finally making it to the top of the musical heap and headlining the biggest shows in the world Mm. because I was sober. So it's like, wow, that was like cycles of life and recovery gave me the dreams they said it would, which is you'll have a life behind your wildest dreams. So when corn was going away because Brian, the original guy was coming back to the band, I wanted to get into self pity. Like poor me, I lost this gig and I'm sober and I'm a broke musician, all musicians are broke, this is so screwed. Um, but instead of doing that, I said, all right God, I know you didn't put me here, universe, Jesus, I don't care what you call it, God, that's what I use, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, God, I know you didn't put me here to suffer. I know you didn't make me a musician to be broke and have a shitty life. And I know I should be sober. So this is who I'm supposed to be. How can I help people and make a living? And I don't know why I asked that. I would only have to give it to my recovery, which we talk about. You start Mm -hmm. wanting to be of service and the altruism that we add as part of the integral part of our a vital part of our recovery. Right. And that's when I came up with the idea of Rock to Recovery. And when I asked, how do I help people and make a living? My life was transformed and all of a sudden, instead of like feeling like I'm swimming upstream with crocodiles coming at me, it was like everything started getting easier. You know, it wasn't automatic. I pitched Rock to Recovery for six months before anybody bit, everybody would go, that's a great idea. Cool. You want to hire me? No until finally somebody did. But and what year was that? When you when you I formed Rock Recovery on 12 12 of 2012. And where exactly were
0: you at when that came in your head? Like, you know, cuz I remember I when I was the beach. Yeah? You when remember I'm you're sitting beach. the whole
1: Yeah, and I had been meditating a lot and and I was like, what am I going to do? This corn gig's going away. I'm going to be broke again. And then and I meditated. And it was like, I've got to figure out a way because music is so magical to make it more prevalent because I went to a rehab and the rehab I was in, we tried yoga where all the newly sober insecure guys just fart and giggle the whole time. We drew pictures. Okay, great. Art is great. And it's expressive, but all right, if we're going to draw a picture with crayons of a mountain, where (laughs) the fuck is music? That's what I felt like. You know what I mean? And I'm down with all that. I'm not, I'm not diminishing it. And the what? and so I wanted to create a program that helped, bring music into people, but I, so how do I do that? I'm not a music therapist. So I kind of just did what was who I was, which in head I would bring in whole songs and kind of like, um, you know, like, like I loved teaching music and I loved showing people and kind of helping cultivate stuff together. That's kind of who the role I played in that band a lot of the time. So the idea was that I was gonna try to get the elements, the magical, therapeutic elements, if you will, of playing music in the hands of non-musicians. So I went back to my brother, who fired me, by the way, uh, uh, and said, this is my idea. And he's really smart. He's very pragmatic, but he goes, wait, wait, wait. You're gonna try to write a song with like 10 or 12 non-musicians? You know how it is when you're in a band and everybody's fighting about how the song goes and I want my part? He goes, I don't know, dude. That's I'm thinking. I was like, oh my God, he's right, he's right. And I, and by that time I got hired, somebody wanted me to start and I was like, Oh Jesus, I can't pull this off. What will I do? Well, then I saw, it's a famous Ted talk. I don't know the title, but it's the why it talks about Apple computers and the why. Mm -hmm. So in marketing in the old days, they used to say, Hey, buy my computer. This is my computer. Buy it. It's blue. And this and that, and Apple said, they didn't say buy our computer. They said, well, you want to integrate your songs and your photos and this, and if you wanna do that, we have something that does that. They give you the why. So, when I was terrified and almost said, I can't do this and ran away, I saw that and I was like, I'm gonna go into these guys and tell them the why, and I went in with a bunch of junkies and drunks who are barely sober, and I said, look, I'm like you. I was in a rehab, I get it, it sucks being sober, it's hard, it's tough, the emotions and this and that, but if you're gonna be in here and you're gonna draw pictures, you're gonna do yoga, you're gonna talk to your therapist, How many of you love music? How many of you think music can change the way you feel? It's kind of magical. All of us. Okay, well, I'm here right now to try to create a music program with you. I'm not shoving this. It's ours to create. Let's do this. Here's my idea. And I think we can have a rad experience, and I want to write a song with you. And by the end of the first session, so one guy came in late to session. He was a junkie. And he walks in, and we get some instruments around, and he's like, what the part my is, What the fuck is this? I'm a junkie. I'm going to die. I shoot dope every day. I'm going to die. I don't know why I'm here. I came here for treatment. And now there's music here. How's guitars and stupid drums going to help me? And I said, hold on. I get it. I get it, bro. Here's the idea. And all I had left was a little pink shaker. It looked like an egg. Baby rattle. That's why I call this guy Mr. Pink in this infamous story. And I said, look, dude, we're writing a song. Here's the lyrics, and the lyrics were about like not shooting dope and staying sober, and not getting busted, and we're gonna beat this thing, and we don't want to die. And I said, this is it. And then here, you take the shaker, and this is how you do it. And here's our groove. And he was he was dope sick. And if you know what dope sick is, like having the worst flu, but you can't sleep, you can't eat, you're defecating yourself, you're suicidal ideation. He started standing up and shaking the shaker. Okay, how many times does the chorus go? And wait, and then we switch. Okay, cool. By the end, he's like, I don't even feel dope sick. He's like, you're coming back next week, right? And I was like, what happened? I didn't even think it could be that powerful. It literally changed his physical makeup. Mm. He didn't feel dope sick. And he had what they love in the treatment uh, community in the uh, clinical realm. He had uh, measures of wellness. He had hope. He had faith in all these things given to him by this music program. So from that, once I saw that, it's been a a fun journey to just see how far we could take this thing of getting non-musicians to play. And then we record the song in the end.
0: Yeah. Now we do
1: 500 sessions a month. 500 sessions a month. I've given careers to 13 of my dear friends who have trained in this methodology I
0: developed. How many rehabilitations is uh, Rock Recovery in?
1: Uh, We work with probably over 100. And in the world of rehabs, They go out of business so quick because a lot of people come in because you can make money, you know, and, but a lot of them come and go so fast. So we've worked if, if one third more stayed in business than have, we would be (laughs) huge. It's not about that. It's about helping people. But the point is we've worked with over 200 treatment programs. We have a contract with the department of defense that flies us around to work with wounded veterans and um, you know, people suffering from PTSD and and some horrible traumas. And what we found is that this, this thing plugs in everywhere we take it. Now we're working a lot with the youth. And uh, it's like what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, um, they teach kids Pythagorean theorem. They have to learn all this stuff about economics, but why aren't we teaching them meditation? Why aren't we teaching them how to have artistic expression? You know, even if they're not gonna go try to be Jimi Hendrix, to challenge himself and come together in a group to create something from the heart is something I think that like when we get 10, 20, 30 years down, we're going to, you know, it's like if you look back in time, the stuff we thought as humans a couple decades ago, you know what I mean? Like, right. oh, exercise is good. Oh my God, who knew? Right. Don't smoke every day. I think we're going to feel that way about music and get more away from the pharmaceuticals and get more into holistic approaches and all that kind of stuff.
0: I've, I do, I do feel that. You know, one of the things though that I think from uh, being in the the mental institution, them saying take this drug or take these drugs, I, I'd taken so many drugs my whole life, and I was having this experience. I'm like, fuck! If I take that, it's gonna kind of cut this out, and I don't feel like I want to cut this thing out right now. So when I said ah, I don't want to take that, they 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 were like, you know, that's well, then you're not leaving, and it really became a situation. So the reason why I asked that is. In a lot of the, these rehabs, they give these people pharmaceuticals. And I think some of these people may need it. I don't know. Some definitely the, you do. You know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that. We're not doctors. Right. But I, but are 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 other people open to plant medicines? And I'm not saying that. I've only done ayahuasca once in my life, right? I did it and I ended up falling asleep. But I do believe in talking to other military and other people that have PTSD and have gone through some extreme situations that they've tried these things and and... And it's helped them. I'm not gonna say cured them. Cured is a, you know, but definitely has kept them sober. Um, one of my friends, he's like, dude, I was gonna die, like I was, I was about to die. I didn't know what to do. One of my yeah. closest friends, and he ended up going to a place called Arrhythmia in Costa Rica and did a plant medicine. Mm-hmm. He did, and uh, he goes, I, 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 just, I never had a thing to ever drink ever again. And mm-hmm. I go, really? And he goes, No, no. And he goes, and I go, how many times did I He was like, oh, like 15 times. Like. And I go, I goes, but it's all with shaman. I go, oh, well, if you do that too much, the same shit. He goes, you know, like you're. You,
1: I've heard stories of people that get way too into ayahuasca. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, so it's like anything. Anything, too much of anything, like, is, is not good, you know, except love. But I'm saying that, you know, under, that's the only thing I said is I started looking to other things. And, and there's a place called MAPS. And they, uh, they work with um, MDMA to take people that have, like, a lot of people in the military. That have PTSD, mm-hmm. um, and they take them to these guided um, therapies with it. And I was just wondering if you ever, because is that something that that you think, or you feel? And I'm just saying that because being from a place where I'm being totally sober, like, yeah. you know. But do you think the other part? That's what I'm saying. Do you, are you open to plant medicines versus a pharmaceutical drug? Because that to me. Is like I was like I just can't get down with this thing with the pharmaceutical thing. I don't trust um, yeah I just don't trust it I just don't trust it
1: that's a that's a big topic. So my first top line would be that I believe God or the universe in theory has probably put everything on this planet organically that we need mm. And you know s- some drugs are made from plant-based compounds so that, so pharmaceuticals aren't always bad. I would always say, you know, in a dream world, hopefully we could do plant-based medicines. I would also say next to that, that when we're talking about somebody who needs a vital transformation to save their life from a suicidal ideation or just horrible depression, that it's their job to try everything and to not give up, you know, and I think it's easy just to constantly throw pharmaceuticals at, at, at it. Um, pharmaceuticals absolutely are needed for some people. What I learned in my journey to understand addiction, because I've been super anti-pharmaceuticals as well, is that they're not always intended to be for the duration of your life. A lot of times they give you pharmaceuticals to try to even Bridge. out your brain chemistry, get you leveled out, and then you can look at it. When I was in rehab, they wanted to put me on pharmaceuticals. And what we have to understand is that that's what doctors are taught. The same way a chiropractor is taught, like, if you come in here, this is what I do. So doctors, uh, these like psychiatrists are taught, well, if you come to me, I prescribe meds. So that's what they have there. And I think you're seeing more and more treatment centers open up to these homeopathic approaches. But I was like, wait, 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 you say I have ADHD. You want me to take Adderall? I'm trying to get off meth. Let me get to a baseline first. Right. And I think what happens a lot of times is I get it. They're like, well, these we don't want the person to feel so shitty when they're detoxing that they a AMA against medical advice and go use, so let us, let us inebriate them so they feel good enough that they'll actually stay here. I get that argument. For me, I was like, let me get a baseline. And if it's complete hell, I'll come see you for something to get me through. But I expect it to be hell. I got a detox and right. that's what I wanted for myself. Um, I'm an, I, and there's an element of ayahuasca that's enticing to me because, um, I haven't heard anybody go like good high off it. I've heard like actually a lot of stuff that doesn't sound fun. And I think there's a potential for me to access other layers of recovery or have mother I speak to me that could be beneficial. However, at this point in my life, the risk versus reward is not good enough. Mm. Like I can do other Fair. stuff. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people use it as a, uh, as a cheat code. Like, yeah, I'm totally sober, but I can do this one. And I think we have to be. I have to be absolutely sober. Once I crack the seal, one hit of weed, one drink, it opens that door for me, which is a devilish Pandora's box of yeah. hell. Yeah, no, I, I,
0: I get it. And I think before because I, I trusted pharmaceuticals could fix me. Like if they, you know what I mean? Like doctors, I trust. I could trust any doctor. He's a doctor. But I think that, that
1: a lot of people do,
0: right? And that's the issue because I could I, do that
1: forever. I could get any doctor anytime I have spondylolisthesis. I could get back pain medicine and Xanax, any doctor. And, and the doctor gave it to me, but sorry, I, have to, I no, just no, no. want to say this in the realm of sobriety. So I, I work a 12 step program and in those programs, you're supposed to be absolutely sober, but a lot of people use this, uh, thing that the doctor, uh, subs- uh prescribed this to me. So I need it. Now here's the thing I was taught and the experience I have is for me to be sober. I I mean, for me to have that spiritual connection, I need, I have to have absolute sobriety. It's like tuning a radio. I have to tune my spiritual self to the absolute sober realm to get that connection with what I call God. So, and what I know is the second I start drinking for me and anybody who's like me who needs absolute sobriety, as soon as I start drinking weed, or whatever, I get cut off from that spiritual connection. It gets cut off and it gets dark really fast. So, if a doctor prescribes it to me, even though it's prescribes, it still cuts me off from that vital, absolute, sober connection that I need. And I've worked in recovery with guys who were on these psych meds they need, and I, don't, I'm, I can't tell somebody to get off them. But I have witnessed them struggle to get that spiritual connection and relapse and relapse and then finally get off the psych meds and then finally find recovery. So there's those cases too.
0: I, yeah, I, the, the, the thing I think about that is, is because when you go in, right, I went into the, to the, to the place. They asked me, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? And when I told them, I got thrown in a mental institution. So when I went to the mental institution, they said, take these pills. And I said, no, I don't want to take these pills. I want to just kind of like set into this for a minute. That's where my, my non trust started because I started going wait, one of the most amazing things is happening. I didn't know this at the time, but now looking back, what's what happened year to was me? That? It was three years ago. It was two. It was 2016 November, day before Thanksgiving.
1: Forcing you to For, take minutes. If I didn't take it, I couldn't leave. See how antiquated it is. So that's 2017 or whatever. Yeah. So like, so I was like sitting there, but
0: I, I was trying to to. Were you to, violent? Um, I had got into some fights, yes, but, but I was also so. I'll, well, you're not
1: making a strong case that you didn't need, need something.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. But uh-huh. the, but let me explain the fight. So what happened was, is they were beating up people that were in this place, and it oh, usually gotcha. happened at the phones. So I would go okay because the first time, remember, I told you I, I didn't say what happened. The guy grabbed me. What happened? They sent six, four guys in, and I just did what I did. Do I wanted to take a couple pieces with me, you know, so to speak? So after that, that turned into a 14 or 15 day hold, 52, 50. But after that whenever I'd see these same ding-dongs start to you know when something's going down because they all come up and so when that happened it would always happen near the phones or near the machines where you got the food the candy I would just go sit next to the people they were gonna go beat up so they would go like here you know messing with this guy this guy was trying to use a phone I'd sit right next to him be like you know but it was a hot it wasn't like it was it was a hot situation because this guy wasn't wanting a phone they were gonna hogtie him and jack him up take him out so I sit next to him and I thought, oh, I'll just calm this down. And as soon as I came in, they're like, okay, this is going to get more, a little more, you know, this is going to be a longer day than they, than they anticipated. And I was able to talk to them out of really hurting this guy. And they got really upset with me, but I'd done this a couple more times. And due to that, so that's what happened. I was oh, trying to help other people there that they were hurting. One lady, they really hurt really badly. And when I saw that, I'm like, nah, nah,
1: nah, 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 nah. What happens in those? Yeah, we, we just, we don't understand. And, you know, any, any psych meds that they give, it's it's probably and I'm not a doctor, but I would probably say it's one of the least exact sciences. For example, if like I have some pain and I take a Vicodin, you kind of know the Vicodin is going to do for the pain. But when people are having all sorts of different mental issues, they try different meds. Oh, that one didn't work. Let's up the dose. Let's lower the dose. Well, let's get you off that one. Let's try this one. And that's really what they're doing all the time. But
0: if they're not, this is the whole. Like, this is the whole thing. This is the thing when I broke it down. This was my baseline. I was going having a spiritual experience, I started to understand. But Western medicine, doesn't matter what you say, go to any psychiatrist. It's starting to change a little bit now, but they'll get in trouble because they can't. They have to prescribe you a medication. Right. They will say, wait, you're having a mental, exactly. you're done. So you, you have to watch what you say. They can take your, They can start messing with you if they say, wait, I think you should see a medical, mental facility. You know, yeah. they, you, you, you have to be very careful to what you say if you don't fall into the parameters of something they can do for you. Because they'll go, because this is what you have to do. And then if a psychiatrist goes, you know what? I don't think he's safe. And that happened to me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, that's scary. You're like, I go, I, you told me to tell you these things. You said, tell me what you're feeling. I told you everything. Now you're turning on me. And now they can hold me.
1: Well, that's that's what happens big with the military is because now they're trying to keep, you know, vets and stuff from killing themselves. And they, of course, go through all this trauma. And so they start, you know, and you can imagine at first you're trained to like, I don't care if you're hurt, whatever. Yeah. So what? Somebody got blown up. Good. go do what your job. There's that mentality. Just get back on the front as they say, Metallica. And, um, but so now they're starting to try to, you know, give therapy and resources to these vets and stuff. But once you open your mouth then, well, you're not fit for duty or you have, we can't send you back up flying that plane now. Now you're over here, so they don't want to say anything. So this it's really a difficult situation. It's
0: Yeah, it's the same thing. Because if you start to open up and say something, and that's really the, is 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 going into your heart. And when you start to speak like that, people aren't used to, they're used to speaking overly thinking, overly everything. And then speaking with your heart, people are like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I just feel like I want to go help some of these people. I think I'm going to feed... Well, that's kind of like why no one else is like you know so when i got out of there it just changed and and the 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 way and the things that were important you know and you see those things and then you start seeing all these people that are going through these experiences having breakdowns i'm like can you imagine if we actually change west western medicine so that they recognize an awakening we'd have half the people it's probably not
1: good for their business say again how do you diagnose an awakening how would you diagnose, diagnose I mean, you awakening? I mean.
0: Well, they do. I can tell you. I mean, they have specific symptoms that mirror schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. Oh, absolutely. So what you do is you raise money, and do trials with universities. you get doctors that are behind you that understand. I you haven't take 100 met many people.
1: People that have had your experience the way you've had. It. I have not. Hmm. But I have been open, but it's sometimes when we were talking about me, and my friend that... Uh, sometimes when people are ta- hearing voices and talking that maybe they're just talking to other, spe- You know, cause how can I say I know this guy Paul channels and he can step in and channel voices and guides come through him and he's not crazy, but the guy in the street going, blah, 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 it, he might be doing the same thing. He just doesn't know. And it's it's yeah. Crazy. And
0: what that is is having a firm understanding of who you are, because when this comes in, like I said, you'll start acting out these things because, the other thing is, is you'll start to create a world because when people start to tell you you're crazy, you'll create a safe place for yourself in this crazy world, right, that you've created. So what that's what happens, is you start to create this world because it's safe and people are yelling at you and saying things. So when you go back and help them, you have to uncreate this world to pull them out because it's as real as this real this world we're in.
1: I have a question. Yeah. So the symptoms of an awakening are similar to schizophrenia. Uh,
0: I think Hearing so. Hearing voices
1: I, So how do you differentiate like you're saying, I wasn't schizophrenic. I was hearing voices that were very real, and this is, they were my friend, et cetera. How would you differentiate that?
0: Well, that, for my thing, going through my experience and knowing it was for them, I'd say they'd have to rule out a couple of things. I don't know how many people go schizophrenic at 51 years old or 48. It doesn't happen. You can look it up. The other thing was, is that I, they were asking me, and I was talking to them very clearly, very clearly, but because they didn't know how to, Prescribe me something, that they, then I, I was crazy. So I'm like, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not doing anything. I'm, you're asking me the experience I'm having. I'm telling you right to your eyes. And because I'm saying this, now you're marking down that I'm fucking crazy. You asked me. This isn't right what you're doing to me or these people, man. This isn't cool. Sounds like you should have gone and talked
1: to the- This
0: is what they do the to mystics. everybody in there. The mystics. Well, yeah. how
1: many? Well, you're not saying everybody in there was having a no. There's it's all a look spiritual it, experience.
0: Well, I think that a lot of people didn't know what's happening. They're trying to kind of settle into what is happening because you're being told you're crazy. You start to believe that you're crazy. Then you'll take the meds because if you don't, so now you're on this road. Well, you know, I'm really doing well, good that's now. That's a big
1: generalization. Mental health is a giant scope, right?
0: It, uh, well, yeah, because everybody, everybody has different levels.
1: Not everybody had mental health. I was just I was working with a veteran guy, yeah. trying to help him. Um, in a twelve-step program, and he has some serious mental health issues. He's not schizophrenic Wes, at all. Well, everybody, bu- but look he at. wants to put a bomb on his chest and blow people up. And he's just—I had to call the FBI. It's crazy. Oh well, that—that's that's a little. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm saying, is the no mental health the chest. is giant? Everybody well, in there isn't having a spiritual experience.
0: Well, they'll ask you. They'll say, um, "Is this voice telling you to hurt anybody?" There's very specific well, things right. they're asking, they, right? They have
1: to find out. If yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It. So I'm like, I'm like, no. Uh, no, what's your, you know, what's your name? I went through the, the the series of these questions, but I really wanted to understand what's happening. So I, and I knew if I didn't, that I wouldn't be being true to what was happening. And I remember, right. So my teacher was like, start bullshitting them. Cause now is out. out. I'm going to psychiatrist, and I go, I can't, yeah. if I do, what's I'm like bullshitting myself, up? man. But it did. Cause once that happened, my credit cards, you know, you lose, you lose, you know, a lot of the things, I, I, I was a successful business person. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happened, I lost a lot of rights that I had with my family until that they they deemed me, you know, sane. sane. Yeah. But everybody has mental wellness. Yes. Every single person on this planet, there's no, Amen. when you Maybe said it's a, its wide open, it's, it's yeah. mental wellness. We all are dealing with it. But when you're talking to somebody that's going through pain, a lot of times if you just look them in their eyes and you, if you ask me a question, Feel what they're saying. Look at them. If you really care, it's not just like, okay, we're going to do this. If you're going by a criteria that everyone's the same with these things, things I'm like, well, sometimes they're a little bit different and you have to really kind of be a malleable to these, these things because when you do that, I think you'd be helping more people. But when you have this certain kind of check one, check two, check two, check three, and if they're not on that, then they don't fit into the paradigm of what they feel is um, curing somebody or helping them. Or
1: That's what humans do all the time, right? We have one-size-fits-all kind of education system. We have medicine that's kind of a one-size-fits-all. We have this societal view that you got to have 2.3 kids or whatever it is in a housing. House who says, I what if I don't want to be married and I want to live in a hotel. I mean, what's right. Yeah. So we, we as humans love to create these standards. Yeah. And it was interesting for me is I like the topic of mental health and how it affects society and a whole, because I think we all like, we feel we're so unique or so different. I went to do a rock recovery session, uh, at Yale mm. for this, uh, group that does spiritual and consciousness studies. So, and I went with our PhD, Dr. Constance Scharf and, uh, and I'm thinking wow, these are scholars in Yale. They probably got their stuff together. How were cuz obviously I can connect to an addict or an alcoholic or somebody suffering mental health or I've had suicidal a- ideation. I know how to connect even to a veteran. How do I connect with Yale where would be, and I'm telling you, these they are mostly women. These women based on our talking about the issues we have with our own self-love and the challenges we put ourselves through mentally. These are women at Yale all Cracked open, crying, horrible self-esteem issues. You see, I'm saying so, like what you're saying, like on the outside, I have the Bentley and this and that. Well, these women are brilliant and they're at Yale and they're crushing it. And they had a lot of heartbreak and mental health issues and self-esteem issues. I, I'm what I'm saying is the human condition is so similar for everybody, yeah. and we have a lot more in common than we realize. And then totally. the people who are really suffering, it's the same thing everybody else has, just in a greater degree.
0: No, totally, and. I, I'm working with somebody right now, and I, I mean, like words are contract. And one of the things I said is, I called her up, and I said, I don't want to use the word suffering anymore. I said, for this, it, it, it seems like you're putting a weight on your foot. We're we're working through something, okay? Um, yeah. Suffering, yeah, like it, you NLP. suffer, right? But I, I just feel that the wording is important for how it's like it's bondage. It's like you're you're yeah. you're you're creating something, and and I said, let's let's work through this um that's transformation a whole, yeah because you're having breakthroughs not breakdowns and if you're really getting in there and that's what you're doing you're cre- you're creating that's what we're talking you were creating with music exactly what i went through but not even knowing how important music was to me like like the only thing that saved my life was the music bro yeah i put the music in my ears and i was like oh god i can't yeah. keep hearing these guys tell me this shit like i'm not crazy so i would i went in i put mantra in and I'd put certain like, music from when I was a kid like, that, that made me feel good. And I, it, it opened up something because that was uh, the oh, beginning yeah. of the, the, so, the balance so starting to happen and the calmness. And I was like, I started to kind of feel into what was happening to me.
1: You music therapied yourself. Yeah. And
0: if they took it, they started taking it away from me. And I, I started freaking, freaking. I'm like, please yeah. don't take the music away from me, Bro. <laughs> bro. Don't like they like, come on bro. shit's gonna go down it's here right okay, now. You take the music bro. away We're gonna have issues, please just anything. Yeah. I'll, I'll clean up. I'll, but just just don't do that So
1: that And that's listening to music and so what we do in rocked recovery is like if I take for example a veteran who's had horrible PTSD and Depression and you know what people don't understand is a veteran They're encoded to serve where they'll give their life for their their, their, you know, their platoon, their brothers, their, and they lose that job, they lose that career, they lose their family, they lose their sense of purpose, and they have injuries, and they have trauma, and then they go back to a town where they have to basically sit there. So there's also it's much deeper than I realized. But what happens is like kind of my theory metaphor is like when I talk about the spirit, like our when we're born, we're pure of spirit, we're just pure love, right? We haven't had heartbreak and all these things happen to us. We haven't bashed our head against the ceiling, all, all these things. What happens is life happens and, and and we have this pure spirit of love and then life encodes it, right? Fear of getting hurt again, fear of damage, protective layers, trauma. I don't trust men, I don't trust women, whatever. And all of a sudden that pure spirit is encased in all the worry and fear of how to not be hurt again, right? That's really what it is because we've all been hurt a million ways. by that. And so if you take a veteran, for example, a lot of them get stuck in this place of like, They haven't felt happy or joy in a long time. And by playing music, what happens is it doesn't just like soothe. When you listen to music, it engages half the brain. When you play music, it engages the whole brain. So it's exponentially more impactful in that way. And what I watch happen is it drills down and cracks through those layers and gets that childlike playful spirit because you're playing music and we're doing it for half an hour, an hour. And all of a sudden, you crack them open And you see somebody who's had horrible trauma start dancing around, singing and laughing, and it shows them. It kind of like the way lava finds its way out of the center of the earth. That childlike spirit comes out and they're like, oh yeah, that part of me is still alive. It's not dead. And that's the powerful transformations. And once you show somebody that, like we were talking about outside, you can't force feed somebody a religious or spiritual view. They have to experience it. And when you can bring them through the spirit, because I think music is about as spiritual experience as you can get.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You go to
1: a concert, you're singing, you're dancing, you're free. Why are music? Why is music in all churches, Is you know, all about music? And once you show them that experience, you, they now have tangible proof, like, oh, I can get happy and dance again. And once they have that, you can't take that away from them. And right. when you're in the opening stages of recovery, and they, you give them that evidence, now they can go, okay, I know what's possible for me.
0: Right, and there's, it's with that music too a lot of people listen to music and don't even realize at the time music right now listening to music that they're channeling listening to music as soon as you listen to that music as soon as that music's on you don't even realize it and you start to think about old things and all of a sudden you're starting seeing images in your head yeah it was triggered by the music by the vibration mm-hmm. of that music and why is it that that music triggers certain memories from childhood certain trauma certain whatever it may be but music is like ayahuasca. Music is like mushrooms. It, 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 it can create. music
1: is the second smell, I think, is number one, and music are the two to have, they get attached to memories. So it's kind of like kind of like when you, what do they call them, when you uh, tag in your computer, right, or you, yeah. whatever, so that you yeah, can yeah. find it again, that's how you get back there. Yeah, it's yeah. like that, and you'll hear a song, that you haven't heard in thirty years, you're like, oh, that was my first kiss to this song, or right. oh, this song was on when I face planted in front of Burger King. Oh, son of a bitch!
0: And, that, and what it is is it like it opens up your emotions. It's like that's why yeah. the drug does. So as soon as that heart it's opens, time oh, travel, bing, that's yeah. that's it. You just hit there on the head. It opens up your heart center so that you're open to these things. It's a lot easier to start healing things because you're not closed up.
1: Yeah, and what happens too in playing music the reason why it's so important to play versus just listening is, uh, we get, you know, neural pathways get created through our experiences. So it's kind of like if you imagine water running down a dirt hillside and it makes a little crevice, the next time the water comes, it goes down that same thing. And that's literally what happens to our brain. It gets wired by certain experiences, right? So uh-huh. if I'm out in the woods and I hear a and I turn around it's a bear next time I'm in the woods and I hear, a, I'm going to go bear. You know what I mean? So we get these program responses because our brain starts wiring a certain way and this is why people, and this is you know, scientific psychological fact, get stuck in these loops because they can't break out of these wired neural pathways, right? So with music, by playing music, we're literally helping to rewire the brain and create new experiences. And that's why the new realm is so rife with uh, experiential therapies because they're literally rewiring the brain. Now psych meds can help level out or help with brain chemistry. That's off that causes problems, but there's also the other side that we have to look at, which is rewiring the brain with new positive experiences. That's why a lot of people who like if you're maybe a woman that was raped or whatever. And so men are like this, you got to find one guy you can be platonic with and have just a quality rad male, female relationship and rewire that like, Hey, see, this can be right. Literally repairs the brain.
0: Yeah, a lot of that's. I think that's the, one of the main uh, from from my experiences is just looking at that and opening up to feelings and not shut down to to expose myself to, to heal. Really, because normally I think shutting that that those things down. See this? Yeah.
1: This my buddy Brandon and I went to Thailand and I was like, I want to get. What's a it saying? So it's Thai. And uh, we're all into like this work, this self-evolution work, and it says feel everything. Because wherever we don't want to feel is the place we got to go most. Right. So anybody listening, you know, the thing we don't want to talk about—that's what you got to talk about most. The so thing relationship that pisses... with
0: fear, right? It's, and that's fear, what we said. Yeah. Have a
1: relationship. Everybody says, "I don't want to do that. I got to do that." I gotta... and I was like,
0: I kind of started to go. You know, something. It's like a boxer. Guys that lean back get knocked out. You got to lean in. That's, okay. Yeah,
1: well, that's yeah, yeah. When we're talking, I'm talking more not necessarily about like, hey, you got to go bungee jump. <laughs> Maybe that's what you got to do if that scares you. But I'm talking about like emotions. And the thing is, we have to make friends with the anger. Mm. We have to learn how because we're taught to suppress it. You make me mad, and then I go, oh, so, okay, no, I gonna, it's cool, bro. Well, what happens? That anger gets strapped in my body, we disconnect, you think it's cool because I told you it's cool, but now we have an energetic block until I can go to you and go, man, that really hurt me, man. And you go, and then what happens? The wife or the husband, for example, is like, they start arguing like, what? That's not what I mean. But we don't hear each other. we go, oh, I hurt you. Okay, I hear that that hurt you. It doesn't mean it's a personal attack on you. But I'm telling you my feelings that I had, and we have to learn to experience them all and not label them. Well, that's bad. You shouldn't have been upset. I didn't mean it. Honey, you made me feel like I look ugly. But that's not what I said. That's not no, no, hear her. That's how she felt. Okay, I hear you. I'm sorry you felt that way. Well, guess what? I love you. I'm glad you could process that. And then we come back in the connection.
0: Right. But well, this
1: is something that society doesn't know. And I think that's what's happening like uh, in our political system, everything is everybody's cracking open and they're feeling. Mm. And I think, you know, I'm I'm not pro-Trump, but I think there's something that he's bringing out, right. which is he there's so much anger and everything that people are cracking open. We're because in the, political, major, yeah. in the political realm, it was always BPC. But now what we're finding out is like, oh, if you yell at me and call me names, then I'm going to call you names back. And now the world's dealing with everybody being cracked open. Everybody is cracked open right now. And I think, again, zooming out, let's get out of... Biden versus Trump, America. Let's zoom out to the population of the evolution of mankind, and now what we're learning, I think, more is to deal with our anger and our emotions and let them out, and hopefully we'll come. Now we, I think, what we need next is a big healing.
0: Totally, it's not like I said to a friend of mine. I'm like, this is, they got pissed. I'm like, this isn't a civil rights movement, bro. This is a spiritual rights movement. This starts from like this whole, the whole thing, the the, the Constitution, all this stuff was built to slavery, the Native Americans, it's like land, it's like people taken from their land and land taken from their people. That's what's going, there's a lot of things going on right now that are happening, but people are like putting band-aids on these little things. I'm like, there's something else at the surface of this that we have to bring back to its balance that we took straight up. And this is why we have these things and people are like, this, it's this. I'm like, once you go a little bit deeper, you'll start to see these people are in pain. That, that you don't even realize that we have to address and 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 you're right like I don't trump this that but but he serves a purpose Because these things are God's happening. So
1: they say God's got a plan I I think the a big problem we have and this could tie all these things together and hopefully guess politics a little bit but uh, <laughs> is uh, one of my theories that I wanted to do a little Instagram video on is 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 names and titles are really dysfunctional. So for example, you know, if you go God, somebody I have this experience all the time with people. I believe most people actually do believe in God. But when you use the word God, it gets Eckhart totally talks about this. Yeah. Word are words are signposts that take us to a deeper meaning. So a great analogy for this is you and I, let's say we're gonna have a kid, you're my wife, and you go, I love the name Cindy. And I go, ooh, I had a Cindy in sixth grade, she was a bitch. It's out. So that's what happens with God. I say God, and you go, oh God, that reminds me of my grandmother going, Jesus is mad at you, or whatever. Right. It shuts you up. So then you have these things happening with whatever. BLM, well, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? Now we're arguing over BLM, but we have total different definitions of what we think it is. You see what I'm saying? And so this happens with so many things in our life because we name it. And everybody has a different definition of what that name means. But we got to get rid of the names and talk about the place where we agree.
0: Right. You know cuz we I mean? all yeah, it's funny. That's what Do you did you do, do a lot of like just men's meetings? Like you know like, like
1: I, I don't do I don't do a ton of men's meetings. No. no. I just
0: felt and the reason why no, there, rank, there,
1: I have a men's support group that I do love. Yes. Yeah.
0: I just felt because I, one of the things is is that a lot of men don't know how to open up with other men cuz they're taught to be, you know, whatever that is, I think that's really important is for other men to talk about the things going on at home and, 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 you know, because you go home, a lot of times you may be telling them, but you're not opening up, like, you know, there's a level of things that like men need to sit down and kind of go
1: through these things to help one another. I think it's... Well, yeah, I think if you look at our, our parents, a generation or two, dads. my dad, who was a doctor, smart guy, he wasn't like, son, tell me about your feelings. What are you feeling? How do you right? feel? It wasn't that. How you doing, boy? Right. I'm doing good. Dinner, great. Did All you right. win? We're, yeah, we're gonna have dinner. <laughs> so now we're learning we can't trap those emotions, and I think the new man, if you will, right. the new man knows how to uh, express his emotions. It's like you know when we hold on to our emotions, we're holding on to a poison. And here's the thing: is uh, if you get into somatic therapies, where you're actually moving energy. Um, my friend taught me this, but like in in the wild. If a deer gets scared, if you've seen an animal or a dog, they shake for a while because that fear works its way out. But humans don't do that and it literally, fear and those kind of emotional traumas get stored literally in our flesh, in our body. Right. And they're attached to an old message of like, like, why didn't you love me, Dad? And whatever. And we have to move that. Energy. Why didn't you fucking love me, Dad? And get it out. But we all have trapped energies, everybody. Right. And what people don't understand is
0: you're kind of talking about what we were saying earlier. You asked me about the karma thing, right? These okay, are trapped yeah. energies. You're kind of answering okay, so your own questions. So you're
1: defining karma. See, karma took well, me to. Well, well, because you asked place. me something.
0: Because it, you're you're kind of agreeing in a way that this is, in a, you know, but it's kind like, of to me
1: is is, and I think you used the word debt. Is more like I did something wrong and I got to make up for it. Um, I kind of believe
0: not a, debt, not karmic debt. It was I said, um, but but yeah, karmic. Uh, but the, but the idea of it living in in the, in your DNA comes from other people and we
1: could carry forth from past lifetimes. Yeah. Reason. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the energy of it or the, yeah.
1: So I had serious abandonment issues. I'm happy to share this cause I get really intrigued, but I had abandonment issues. I don't know where they came from. I mean, my parents divorced probably from that, probably from getting my heart broken a couple of times like any human, but for whatever reason I'm encoded with this thing to where I could be talking to a girl that I may be, I don't do this anymore, but a few years ago I could still, let's say I might be kind of interested in her. Send her a text, go work for three hours and go, did Sally get back to me? And I'll get this fight or flight, like, oh no, she didn't get back to me, and I don't even care. It's this program response of fear that comes up, which is insane, right? And uh, wait, where the fuck was I going with that? Oh, oh, so I went to Paul Selig, this guy that channels. right? And after he gets done channeling, everybody asks questions. And I go, look, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of work and therapies and this and that. How come I have such abandonment issues, even things I feel like I don't care about? And they he doesn't usually do this. He goes, It's a past life thing. And he said, You had an issue of treason in your past life, not in a political sense, but like a severe betrayal that you've carried forward into this that's stored in me. I thought that was pretty gnarly. I would
0: say he He's onto something.
1: Well, it was so when you sometimes you hear stuff you know. That's when somebody it. on the outside listens, they're like, You're in some right. Shit. a when knowing, you
0: know, Right, But there's well, a knowing. Right. Well, you'd be like, why does that feel familiar to me? That, yeah. And that was the thing that started tripping because people would say things. So I go, as these things start to feel familiar, I'd want to like really identify them, like where I was standing and what it made me feel like, and really try to go, wow, this is an actual feeling. Like, so if my body's an instrument, I'm learning to play it, right? But I would want to know that feeling and really understand it so I knew kind of what was mine and like what was incoming. You that know? Feel. Right, so I was able to differentiate. It was almost like, you know, like I felt like my whole life I was swinging like this, but like every time like this, like you know this, it was like, I feel so good. And I was like, God, how do I find that? And that's when you want drugs or you try to find that good feeling. All of a sudden it was like, I was going like this, like this, and then it was like this, and then I started swinging like that. And I'm like, oh mm-hmm. damn, it's balance.
1: That it's balance. that balance.
0: And so, I was trying to find these things with drugs, sex, whatever it is, relationships, and these feelings of whatever that was. And I didn't understand, I didn't understand it. It, it, I'll say it's that that oneness, that that thing that connects us all. And when I was able, and that's why, so as soon as it went zing, I was like, I gotta start helping him. I gotta start Mm -hmm. helping her, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I felt part of this, a part of God, a part of us all being together. And then it sounds real corny. I'm like, how do I? present this in a way I don't sound like a, like, a you know, like, how do I say these things that are coming into me that sound so wacky?
1: Everybody's God language is different. You know? And I think that's why people like, for example, something like Christianity or something that's like, okay, this is a book. Let's all agree on this book and we're cool. But even in that, you see how many fights, if you will, arguments because it spins out into 18 million versions of Christianity because we're like, well, we think this and we think that and we think this. The point I'm trying to make here is like, it's really hard to tell anybody like we were talking about outside about spirituality they gotta they gotta find their it's a trail they gotta blaze on their own and if somebody wants some information like for me when i was like i want to learn about chakras what are these silly chakra things and then i swear to god i met a girl on bumble and right when i met her she goes she walks in, she didn't tell me anything about being a healer or anything. She goes, Is your back hurt? And I go, Yeah, it's really bothering me lately. She goes, You having financial problems? And I had just lost the corn guy, like, hell yeah I am. Mm. She goes, Yeah, it's tied together. Well, she didn't come in and go and mm. brag about being a mystic, and she handed me a book that was Barbara Brennan's Hands of Light. Barbara Brennan was a NASA scientist who started seeing auras and chakras, and and it's all about the scientific studies proving auras and chakras and how they correspond to the colors and the frequencies that people were telling us thousands of years ago and we're just now proving that oh those mystics were right but how funny it came right when i was like i want to learn about chakras and that's where we have to put faith that somebody if somebody tr- truly seeks god or the universe will show up with the lesson they need at that time
0: that's amazing that one of the things early i was thinking about when you're talking to me was, is there another, because um, after Rock to Recovery, right? Because you're doing amazing work. Well, I, they, I feel that there's like, you're about to take people to this, this whole other thing. Because I'm saying like, there's more, meaning like you're getting them to this place, which is amazing. But I'm saying, do they come, like as far as like, they're, like another level of meditation, yoga, or whatever this is that, you know, I know they do it there to, to go, okay, I'm staying sober. I'm sober, i am been sober. But you know what I'm saying as far as like taking it are you you get to a place and that's it you've leveled out or is it you know I'd Is there... say it via rock to recovery? Yeah
1: Um, I think if I I would answer that question is rock to recovery. I would never say this probably well Maybe I would uh, I think it's about giving them a spiritual experience. That's Self-evident that's profound. That is dramatic transformation with a simple act of music and then and then it's that's just one piece of their journey you know um i don't take responsibility like we're not a treatment program we're, we're just trying to you know you know it's kind of like in and out burger man did you
0: ever think of starting your own treatment program oh yeah
1: thought about that a lot i have many ideas and many plans i have many 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 yes and i actually was approached
0: I, can i say something
1: yeah i've been approached by people to start one
0: it will happen <laughs> okay I guarantee you this.
1: Thank you. I've thought about it um, right now since we're talking about that. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people don't know about this, but there's a thing called Silver Companions. You probably do. And um, mm-hmm. so I want to get into that because I've come from the entertainment world and I was friends with Chester and we lost him mm-hmm. and so many of my friends. And uh, not everybody has the opportunity to go to a rehab for a couple months.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, so what we're doing now is branching out into sober companions, where it's like, what I found is I needed to be around people who had success at the life I was trying vying to have in recovery. Right. So what we do is offer these companion services. So if you need a mentor and you, you're a businessman and you still gotta fly around the world, we can send somebody who can support you, and be kind of your wingman. On your new realm, and so that's something I'm excited to do, and we're excited to bring in. And what the thing is is a lot of recovery, and treatment for addiction and mental health. There's a lot of people in there that aren't very qualified. Yeah, they just get in it because it's easy to get into, and you can therapist, make money. and then
0: yeah. they that the. To...
1: So ours is managed care with a PhD, who's an addiction specialist and a trauma specialist. So we're trying, we're we want to bring a higher level of care to these because I don't, I want to stop seeing people who. You know, some people can't walk into an AA meeting. They don't have time, or if they walk in, people will be like, dude, so I just saw, you know, I just saw Russell Brand at AA meeting. Hey, Russell's like, dude, I'm trying to be spiritual here or whatever. So it's a great way to give people a support outside the realm of. Yeah,
0: this is, I think what I was, I was alluding to is I was asking what is after that. And I do see um, like some, a, a recovery center the recovery
1: thing that I'm interested in doing, I don't want to show all my cards here, but um, let me say it's its designed more at it, some of the con- the concepts that we're talking about where you're exposing people to more of the homeopathic stuff and doing so at an earlier age. And hopefully, you know, for example, this is a different idea, but to kind of make the the case is like, when we do rock to recovery, we write a song and if we want to write about pizza, we can, if that feels right for the group. But a lot of times what we're putting is our emotion, any song is usually emotions put to music. So what I want to do is take that to younger kids and show them how to process emotions. Um, Because I think when kids are exposed to music, it's like, hey, when I took guitar in class, it's like, go bing, flang bing. It has no meaning to it. Just learn this stupid guitar, folk guitar part. I want to show them what music really is. It's like, yo, Bobby, you're mad at your stepdad? Let's write a song about it together. Who else has a stepdad in here? And show them that aspect of it at a young age.
0: Yeah, they, I was just... There's a, probably a... You said you work with a 100 of them. There's probably about 90 of them. That I'm not saying they'd go out of business if you stopped going there, but... Probably, I would feel that 198% of the spirit going to those places is your, the energy that you're bringing there. Like really the most spiritual thing that that's probably happening in a lot of those, the, some of these rehabs is the, 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 the element that you're bringing there. That's why I say, I think it is, it feels like this, what you're doing is gonna turn into a, a, a center. It feels, you know, with a recording studio at it, but like a wellness center, something like that. Because what you're teaching and what you're doing is a whole you're, you're it's a whole nother level of, of, I think, rehabilitation, if you want to call it that or mental wellness, whatever, whatever that word is, that you're you're going to use for it. But I I strongly feel that.
1: Thank you. And, yeah. you know, I like the word recovery. It's rocked recovery. And for a while, I was like, oh, man, recovery, in a marketing yeah. sense, that's kind of weird. But then when I was having a deep thought one day, I was like recovery. Well, what are we talking about when we say the word recovery? It's getting back. what was already yours, right? And that's really what all humans are doing in their journey of life Is to get back to their true self in everything. I'm mad. Okay. Well, where's the love? How do we get back into the heart? I'm heartbroken. I whatever it's always you're always trying to recover who you truly are. That's literally the goal of life
0: I just saw a big R&R in my head like R&R, you know mm-hmm. and uh well, it was this, remembering I and recovery. Remembering tattoo, and reco- yeah. wait, there it is.
1: R two R, yeah. You see that? It's what happens when you get tattoos in Nashville. River. That's what I'm
0: saying, homeboy.
1: Yeah. But the
0: R and R, when I saw it in my head, I saw recovery and I saw remembering.
1: Mm. Remembering who you are, yeah.
0: And so this whole thing was like people go, "Oh, I'm going to do some R and R."
1: Yeah. But it's rest and relaxation. Right?
0: <laughs> a little bit different. You have a little bit spin, but that's what I saw. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When uh, you guys had, you guys were just doing something at the, did it get canceled for because of COVID?
1: So Rock Recovery has a nonprofit entity. We donate our services to state funded and other like um, rehab programs that don't have funding for us. We work with VAs around the world, as I said. Um, and so we fund that with our yearly fundraiser. And the idea for me was, um, as I told you, my journey with recovery and like, thinking that I, you know, can't have music in my life when you're sober. So what we did is we produced a sober concert and we honor sober musicians. Um, we've honored Mike Ness from Social Distortion, Moby, uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Stone Sour. And we pull all the booze and what half the audience, it sells out every year at the Fonda. Um, we've had the guys from Stone Temple Pilots and Billy Idol's band play and Dave Navarro's come down, etc., but what happens is about half the audience is bust in from local treatment centers. So what'll happen is I'll go out into the crowd and talk to some of the people, and uh, there'll be guys who are like, I was shooting dope seven days ago in an alley right over there in Hollywood, now I'm at this concert, and wait, you got Mike Ness, the singer of Social Distortion, saying he used to be a junkie, and Social Distortion would've never happened if he didn't get sober, and now I'm in a room with 1,300 people sober, rocking out to these rock stars, and it shows them like, yeah, homie, the right. world is big and the hoop is vast. And, mm. and uh, that's been a really magical thing for us to get to do every year. And unfortunately, because of COVID, we can't be doing what we do and um, getting together. So um, we definitely got to make up for it financially. Um, you know, if anybody's listening, wants to support, we're rock2torecovery.org. T um, O We have... Um, you can donate on our page. We have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. Um, and we have cool videos. You can see our work in action with kids and veterans and all sorts of stuff.
0: I definitely want to talk to you about a a business model we're working on to potentially be able to work with you on being able to still be able to do that in a much bigger open venue that you could drive into.
1: And we've talked about this. One of my guys who assists us and he was the guy who pushed me over the edge of doing the first event I took my own money had no artist and put down a commitment for 15,000 bucks to fill a venue at the Fonda. And I had my friends who are big producers going, how the F do you think you're going to sell tickets? This and that. And I was like, I don't know. But my other buddy, Joe Fletcher, he used to book all the big Seattle bands and he's worked for the Obamas and he's done huge shows. He's like, do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, it was really scary. But that first show we had Chester come out and Fred Durst and, uh, Mark McGrath and the, uh, the Camp Freddy guys from Billy Idol. And, uh, and you know, if you build it, they'll come. It was funny because uh, that's how I had the idea. We weren't selling that many tickets. Well, how would I fill the room? Oh, maybe I could get treatment centers to come. So I kind of stumbled into the genius of it all. And so my buddy, Paul Moen, he, you know, we were like, is anybody going to be here? We don't know. And so as we turned the corner to the venue the first night, there's a line down the street and around the corner. We're like, yeah, you did Yes, <laughs> It was the most stressful shit I ever did. And when that, when that gig was done, I went back to the hotel room and I just sat there and cried. And I'm not a crier. I wish I was. I just bawled. Because it was like getting the corn gig. It was like, this is my whole psycho of life, like getting sober. And I just had a sold out concert for 1,300 people and it's sober. And I reconnected with Chester. I hadn't seen him in years. And like I thought music was over for me. And when Rock the Recovery event, what I do in there is I take the guys, because the guys that run sessions at all these treatment centers have had record deals, have toured the world. They're amazing humans who happen to be in recovery too. So I put us on stage and we jam out. So it's like, wow, music isn't done for me. Look Mm -hmm. at how it manifested in my life. And I think it's important since we're on this topic of recovery and transformations is that I truly believe that humans' logical mind is really a source of a lot of hell we mm. sit here and we say, well if I do this this is gonna happen if I do this this is gonna happen A or B A or B oh fuck oh it's gonna suck it's gonna suck my brain was like if I get sober no music clearly sober no music That was my logical brain's best thinking and what I think we have to understand is that we that's where we at. for me I meditate, create space and go show me because I don't know. And so what did the universe show me? I want to get back into music. I don't know what it looks like, universe, but show me, show me. I'm here, I'm meditating. And what did it look like? When I was in head PE, we were trying, we were all tweaked out and drunk. Nobody wanted to be in there, so we were trying to, I mean, we were friends with Lincoln Park and some bands, but nobody wanted to be with us. Nobody wanted to tour with us because we were (laughs) a shit show. And I was out of the music for all these years. And then I go and get sober, and who's at my concert, which is our concert, I'm not being egotistical here, All the rock stars I was trying to connect with my whole life. Because I opened myself up and said, Please guide me. And that's like that's the miracle of transformation. Yeah. And I could have never thought of that. If you told me, Wes, when you get sober, one day you're gonna make a music therapy company and everybody's gonna come play your show and Mike Ness is gonna accept your word, I'd be like, shut up, you know. So I think we gotta get out of our own way a lot, invite the universe in, what I call God, and then the results are beyond our wildest dreams, as they say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the other things with the music that I uh, started tripping on was creating applications like guided meditations with music and in yeah. VR. Um, I felt I was like, God, you could do the same thing. I I, uh, I ran into this doctor and he was doing the sound healing called Rasha, and the it it's sound healing that works. But I, I I stepped into this this room, these people watching it. My my nephew has autism. So i was i stepped start watching it and they're doing the sound healing and i'm watching these kids and i'm like what this can't be real and these kids are totally it's helping them like kids that were like looking off that stargazing like looking up and like we're actually starting to talk to people wow. and engage with them and i was like wow
1: sound energy.
0: Yeah. and yeah i'm like yo i said how how is this i go why don't more people like use this mm-hmm. i don't get it right. and he goes because they can make more money selling pharmaceuticals And I'm like, no, you're kidding, right? And he's like, no. He's like, NASA uses this machine. You could look it up. And I'm like, wow, it could do so much. So there's so many amazing things that we have that are on this planet. It's not like the eighth day. God goes, yeah, let's make pharmaceuticals. Like, come on, bro. Like, these things are here, but and 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 right in front of of us. Things
1: do. They guide you to something that's inside of you. That's there. You're mm-hmm. recovery in You're there. It's in. Self. It's in us. It's the, the answers yeah. are all
0: in us. But we're always seeking from someone else. Hey, this guy will tell me that yogi, yeah. this guru. It's the
1: same. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I used to create music and when Head was forming, our songs sucked. And then I started doing a bunch of meth, and I started writing really great songs, and and I started giving it up to like the meth gods They're write this music. No, it's me writing the music, and the meth just cracked me open. It, I mean, it's a horrible analogy because that's a deadly <laughs> version of it. But it's the same thing when you get a veteran to play music. It's you you're tapping into. We didn't give you some, you know, acid hit so you can go synthetically get there. We brought you into yourself, that childlike spirit, just through music was the vehicle. Or with autistic kids, we gave you vision and sound, right. and you tapped into what's inside of you. Yeah, it's you. It's you that's there. And then I think that's the the journey of true holistic medicine is to crack open what's what you already have inside of it yeah
0: that that's the it's funny like that was the gift really is it's like you, they it's right here Like God has everything it's right here but we're always going outside and that that meditation and that like I always call meditations like taking out the garbage right just like let's just clear this out a little bit and mm-hmm. just just make room for new
1: Courtney Friel She's my friend, she's a KTLA news anchor. She's sober, we always talk about meditation. Her analogy, which I love is, first of all, if you're out there and you're thinking about stopping, or if you're thinking about meditation, it's not about stopping your thoughts. Your brain thinks, it's always gonna think. But what the metaphor I love is, it's like a snow globe. And when you shake up a snow globe, that's our brain usually. And when you meditate, it's when you set the snow globe down and the snow starts settling and the longer you meditate, and the more you do it, the more the snow settles. And now when I meditate, my brain gets pretty quiet. And in that the spirit of the universe comes through.
0: So, yeah. And so I think with music um, and, and it led me to, to to get to you was I had a doctor come here and we were I said, I want to understand brain waves and how we're getting there and meditation. I said, I want to understand. I want they like, rig me up, you know? So we all did this test and, and he. so we're doing it and he goes, you're in theta right now. And I go, I'm aware of this. And he goes, that's interesting. And I said, I can, want me to tell you how I did it? And it's interesting because I did it with music. I did it with those plugs. So what happened was when everybody was going ding, 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 and telling me all this shit, I couldn't listen to it. I had to listen to my music. So I would just walk and listen to music. And what that did, because right when the music went in, I would start to get these visions. And it put me in this theta state. So like, that's what I said, I would have spontaneous like things happen, I'd be like, yo! I had to kind of settle that in, but that's just how my my operations now works on that, you know? I still meditate every day, but I operate in a a functioning theta state all day.
1: That's great, because in your theta state, that's when they do the hypnosis and you can reprogram your brain.
0: Oh, it wasn't all that great. Because he also said, he goes, it looks like your brain's disconnected. And I started giggling, Travis, from that, I was like, okay. You know, because you want to hear all these things. And go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like, and I was like listening. Because he did mine. He did Dave's, the producers. And he, we all had these different things. It was really interesting because this, uh, this technology he had would was, was, would check your your, your chakras, your, your heartbeat, and all these, you know, I didn't get it. I'm, you know what I mean? I look at It looks great. A lot of colors on it when you start telling, but it made a lot of sense. I, I mean, the, the mind wave and, and scanning the brain waves, I get all that. I, I've connected myself to like lie detectors tests. I did that in the beginning because I was like, I don't feel crazy, right? But I'm going to put a, a series of these questions together because I want to know if I if I believe what I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And I was like, hmm, now that's really interesting. So I was trying to understand all these things by getting rigged up to things and seeing how my body, if I was sweating and, you know, because when I did, I took a lie detectors test the first time, I figured if I took it and I passed these things I was saying to my ex-wife, she'll go, oh, he'll let me back. I'll get, she'll let me back in the house. So I was like, I'm going to go. And I, there was some crazy ass questions on there. But I was like, all right. And the guy, there's like, <laughs> I passed it twice with flying colors. But now the guy's tripping. He's like, what are you, what is this? What are you doing? I go, I'm doing a test for CSUN. I just started talking shit because I, I was just so happy that I passed it. I didn't really care because I was like, I'm going home. I'm going home. He's asking me questions. only after I thought, I'm going home. And I took this test home, and she's like, "You're fucking crazy." <laughs> it doesn't you know So I, I you know, from going to different yogis and different people, he said, you know it just she just wasn't getting the answer that she wanted. And I, and I guess maybe I wasn't either, because I kept going and trying to convince her that I wasn't crazy. And the crazier I looked, yeah, my ex. Mm. The more I tried to convince her I wasn't crazy, the crazier I looked. So, I just kind of was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to just uh, settle into it.
1: In, incarcerated in a mental institution, institutionalized. Oh, man, that's one of my greatest fears.
0: All right, look, imagine those people that are incarcerated in their own mind. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of those things can be helped. It's just the way that we're treating these humans. I'm telling you. you go in there and you see it. And a lot of people there, there's just, they're just wonderful people there. But they are also trained under a certain curriculum when sure. you go, and and that curriculum doesn't understand. Yeah, you're
1: probably numbed out. You've been doing it so many years. Everybody's crazy. It's just like it's hard. It's hard because everybody needs an individualist, individualistic approach. But after a while, I think you get numbed out. You know what I mean? Totally. In their defense, you know how? Yeah. It's like, not even like I'm like one I'm, size fits all is like really difficult. Yeah. To thrive in.
0: I totally appreciate you coming down. And, yeah, and, brother. And, like, this is great. and
1: I love this stuff. Yeah, yeah, Thanks yeah. Thanks for having me. You're it's an awesome. honor. Uh, you're awesome. Um, I always say there was a time when I was hitting my bottom that nobody wanted to hear. As soon as I started talking, everybody just would, like, shut up, dude. Nothing comes out of your mouth that's worth it <laughs> anymore. And so it's an honor and privilege to get here and share space with you and, and, uh, and talk like this. So. I
0: appreciate it. You know, I say this. I found the keys to my light at the bottom of my darkness. And that's where my journey began.
1: Gotta make, we got to make friends with the shadows. This yeah. whole old mentality of like good and evil. It's like we all have it in us and we got to understand how to make friends with it. And No, it's just, it's just part of being human. It's just part of being human. We're all inherently good. But ignoring the dark part of us is probably the most dangerous thing we can do. We got to make friends with it.
0: Thank you, Wes, again.
1: Rock to Recovery. Yeah, Rock to Recovery. And Human. H-U-3-M-3-N. That's yeah, the new band.
0: And the book. Wait, you're writing a couple books, too. We never. We oh, didn't... that's
1: okay. Yeah, well, Rock to Recovery, we're going to release a book called Rock to Recovery. It's, it's, some, it's some really cool little stories on every, not every, on a bunch of people we've worked with from uh, wounded veterans that had huge transformations via our program, sex traffic, mothers, like crazy stories. Mm. So it's some vignettes in there. And then I'm working on a book called uh, the Vortex of Radness, which is my experience um, through science and spirituality and psychology and transformations of everything I've learned that I want to share with everybody. Um, that book. Yeah. The Vortex of Radness? Yeah, like I
0: got lit up. And you. Yeah. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny and about the book, I know we're wrapping up, but I had this idea, I desire to do it. And I don't even write it. I go to meditate and I'll be like, I'm just going to meditate today, not thinking about anything. And all of a sudden it'll just be like, bling, 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 bling. Oh, okay. And then I have to write down all this stuff. It's just coming to me. So I guess on some level it's slightly channeled, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to share it. It's, I guess, you know, it's for the people who know me, who are, you know, who might want to hear how I got the transformation I got.
0: That's amazing. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. We did it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Malibu, California. The Space Batalha Sotnam. Yeah. Out. Thank you, bro. Yeah, thank you. I was oh, quite like
1: where? I'm sitting oh. out.